Good morning, good morning. Wow, I can finally say it. Welcome to a beautiful Sunday morning. The last couple have not been so beautiful, but this one is. And if the weather ends right, which he always is, um, you can look forward to the next 10 days of this kind of weather. So good time. I'm hopefully going to get my garden in this week and all kinds of good stuff happening. So excited about that. If you're visiting for the first time, if you stop by the Welcome Center, we have a gift for you. Uh, if you're visiting online for the first time, uh, visit, please, if you would, sbtnd.org slash contact or scan that QR code and let us know you're out there. It's always exciting for us to uh, hear from you. Welcome to those of you who are over on the other side. And uh, we got things up and running again today. Hopefully uh, you, won't, uh, you won't have to move around the last second. Uh, so if you're over there, welcome to you. Graduation Sunday is coming up May the 28th. That is two weeks. So next week. Is that next week? Wow, man, the time just keeps marching on. It is next week, is graduation Sunday, so uh, looking forward to that. I think we have 11 high schoolers and five, is that right? Am I saying this right? And five college students uh, that are graduating from uh, their places, so congratulations to all of them. Open houses and things are announced on the calendars and on the board out there. Teen camp, if you want to help out in raising money for the teen camp, here's what we do. Uh, we take that money and we ask the teenagers to earn it some way, put them to work and let them earn it. But uh, we're challenging you this year to, to go in with your age uh, and put your, give your age as a gift to the teen thing. If you do that online, by the way, make sure that you do on the drop down that you include, put, mark that for a teen camp. Otherwise, it just goes into the general fund. Uh, but uh, there's also a place out there you can grab an envelope and mark them and uh, do that. Put your age in there, and that'll be a blessing to the teenagers. We have 40-some teenagers going to camp. Always a great time. It's an exciting time. Revival with Dave Young coming up June 4th through the 9th. Uh, looking forward to that. If you've never heard Dave Young, you are in for a treat. If you've heard Dave Young, you already know. And uh, you can come back and be a part of that. We have kids program going on. We have, uh, we have the... Um, Teens meet afterwards for the refresh. Thank you, refresh. That means afterwards, Cold Warriors, basically. And then uh, beforehand, we have meals. We've had several of you signed up to help for meals. Thank you so much. I, I think we've got great help. Uh, we would never say we have enough help, but I think we've got great help. Uh, so much so that Miss uh, Carol wants to have a meeting over here, right after this church service. So. Uh, if you would, she's over there about to holler at me, so uh, there you go, I remembered. I know, that's so weird for me to remember things like that. Speaking of meetings, um, missions trip meeting after church tonight, if you're going to the Utah missions trip, uh, Pastor Brett would like to meet with you over here, I'm sorry, in the fellowship hall, uh, so uh, make sure that you uh, deal with that as well. Before we go on, nope, let's do that since we're talking about revival, revival prayer meetings are there. Uh, so listen up, I, I don't know how else to say it, I'm trying to encourage everybody to get involved in a revival prayer meeting. You say, Pastor John, that is not my bailiwick. Is that the right word? Bailiwick. I don't know what it means. I just say it. You know, that's just what people say. It, it doesn't really fit with what I like to do, Pastor John. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Do you believe that the Bible teaches that corporate prayer is a part of the church experience? And if you do, then shouldn't you be involved? Uh, I don't know. You've got to figure this one out. This is between you and God, right? This is between you and God. I'm not, it's not like we're keeping attendance and we're marking down all the people who didn't sign up for a prayer meeting or anything like that. My job as your pastor is to give you an opportunity to go outside of your comfort zone and have new spiritual experience. 
then my job is to do everything I can to kick you out of that comfort zone and get you into that new experience. Uh, it's your job to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. So there's a sign-up out there. Uh, you, it starts tomorrow night at our first one, and we'll have several of them, both meeting in the mornings and in the evenings, uh, between now and the revival week. And we're asking God to, to make a difference, that the revival would not just be a week of money spent and time spent, that it would be a week that would make a difference, a lasting difference in our ministries, in our families, uh, in this church, uh, that it would just truly be a sense of revival. So that's what we're asking the Lord to do. So sign up for those out there. All right, you can go on. I'll pick up now. That's it. So now I'll pick up. I wasn't sure how far we had to go. Uh, there's a table out there with some decorations from the ladies' banquet. And we. I'm just being honest. We already have so much stuff in storage that we don't know what... Our storage is is literally a closet. And here's how bad we are on space around here. We emptied out two of those closets and made one of them Pastor Andrew's office and the other one Pastor Brett's office. And you think I'm lying, but if you uh, see their offices, you know they're, you have closets. I promise you, you have closets in your house that are bigger than their, than their offices. Uh, so we just don't have space to store stuff, so we're, it's done. We're done with the uh, banquet. We're giving it away, so there it is. You take it. What you don't take will be thrown away. That's how it works, because we're not storing it. Um, then we have two other things here. So uh, many of you have come up and said, Pastor, knowing that you know, Pastor, that Melody and I are involved in uh, a lot of stuff with Mel's dad right now, just just time-consuming stuff. We love, you know, God's. We're not. It's not a burden to take care of our family. It's just it just takes time. And so maybe you come and said, Pastor, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? Well, I'm going to tell you something you can do to help. Because typically I'm like, just pray for us, just pray for us, just pray for us. Now I can give you something that. You know, for those of you who just like to put feet to those prayers, here you go. Uh, our interns are coming in a week from this Wednesday. Uh, that's the 31st will be the first day that they're here. And they kind of become our kids for the time that they're here. Ours meaning Melody and I's kids for the time that they're here. They live on property and we take care of them. But if you really want to help out, then help us in feeding them. Uh, so there's, there will be tonight the sign-ups that we put out there. I don't want to confuse them with the prayer sign-ups yet, but... Uh, uh, they'll be out there, and if you can just help us out, you can do this one of three ways. You can invite them to your place. There's three of them, three teenagers, three twenty-something guys, whatever. Uh, or you can bring food here. Or if you really want to just put them on the spot, they live in the ministry house for the summer. Invite yourself to their house, right? Hey, we're coming over to your house. We're bringing the food. You show up. And uh, you know, I'm serious. This, this is their responsibility to to respond to that. So. But that would be a great help uh, to Melody and I, it really would, because what meals you don't feed them, we're going to feed them, which we enjoy doing. We love spending time with them and investing our, our lives into them, but um, just being honest with you, if you wanted to help, that would be great. Um, tonight, uh, we're going to be hearing from Jonathan Klingeman. He's going to preach for us before he takes off to Guam for uh, most of the summer to help out his mom and dad and uh, there at the ministry that they've done there. So we're excited about that opportunity. So we'll come back tonight to hear Jonathan. But with that in mind, as we were talking about this among the deacons, uh, we would like to do two things. Uh, one is to help Jonathan to get there. And, you know, when you go, then you're not getting paid. So uh, he is in school and could probably benefit from being paid. But that's beyond the point. It really went beyond the conversation uh, in the deacons to say, you know, we've got that money uh, that was so graciously given to our missions. And so 
Over the next six years, we could send somebody from this congregation every summer to go for six, eight, ten weeks to a missionary. We'd ask the missionary to take care of them. We'll take, you know, and treat them as a missionary intern. We'll take five thousand dollars and buy their ticket, which, by the way, that's the chunk of that five thousand dollars, right? So Jonathan's ticket, Jonathan. How much was your ticket? I'm just asking. Ish. Nine fifty, so about a thousand dollars. When we did, when we sent them earlier this year, it was like twenty three hundred dollars a piece. Uh, when we sent them because when the things were happening with Caleb, but that was because we're doing last minute. You don't get to get any bargains that way. It takes a lot. And what I'm trying to say is that's a big chunk of the money. Uh, and you know, we would just so it would be within our group. It wouldn't be from. Outside, it would be somebody here that would say, Pastor, here's why I think I should be one of those missionary interns. And so tonight, we'd like for you to give us some direction on that as a church to, to do that, starting with Jonathan, and then uh, for the next six or seven years to be able to, to just be a blessing to our missionaries. And I believe as they come back in, after spending weeks and not days on the mission field and actually doing the work, then, wow, the, uh, the impact it would have on the hearts of our church people to embrace missions in a new way, I think it would be great. So uh, if you can kind of keep those things in your mind as well. And then Donna and Hannah Cooper are missionaries of the month, uh, of the month, of the week, I'm sorry. And I'm going to share with you just one little thing. Brother Pastor Brett will share some more with you tonight. I know I'm taking too much time, sorry. Uh, but here's, here's what it says. They're getting ready to, uh, to move from Indiana to Texas where they will start their um, their language school down in Texas. So it says, we talked to a realtor about selling our house, and she said, we should be able to sell it. Are you listening? For, by the way, my Sunday school class, I said this wrong, four years ago, for double what we paid for it four years ago. So that's a great investment, and that's God blessing. I was telling them four times because I got the four years mixed up. So, uh, but double what they paid four years ago. So they're planning on selling it in June and moving to Texas and uh, begin their, uh, their Hungarian language school. So pray for that as they do that. Let's have the men come. We'll get ready to take up the offering and ask God's blessing on our service as well. Brother Tim, would you pray and thank God for the offering and the opportunity to give? Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of gathering around your word and for the facility that you have given to us here and for the leadership at Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. We ask now that you might take these offerings, use them for the furtherance of your glory, and thank you for the opportunity that we might even have to invest in young men as they uh, investigate uh, the mission field for you now in your name. Amen.
Amen. We do have a rock that is Jesus Christ that we can build our lives on, foundation. It never wavers. It never changes. It can help us. We're going to sing about that foundation this morning. If you would, please stand and let's sing together how firm a foundation. How firm a foundation he saved from the Lord in place for your faith in his Chapter 12, beginning in verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. Thank you, Jonathan. We uh, will sing our hymn of the month. I encourage you to think of the words. Let this be a prayer of you. Um, in the middle of the first verse, it says, All I want is you as my king. Is that your desire this morning, right? There's so many things that can pull on us. There's so many things we go through. Uh, but I'm about you. I'm reminded daily that I'm weak, but he is strong. So let this be a prayer from your heart. We'll sing both verses of I am weak, but you are strong. 
Bye. 
guys. Wow, the music has just been powerful. So thanks, Miss. Good to have Miss Carissa playing over there on the violin. She leaves to go back to Southland pretty soon. So uh, I think Tuesday or something like that. So it's coming up soon. Take Bible turn to Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, and I've got uh, several more announcements to make for you. A vacation Bible school meeting with uh, teachers right after the morning service in the choir room. Uh, so if you are a teacher of vacation Bible school, meet with JD back there. Uh, if uh, you are working in vacation Bible school for those assigned to help with a class, that's at five o'clock tonight in the uh, fellow in the teen room, in the teen room over off the fellowship hall. So that's at five o'clock tonight. Be here for that. I failed to uh, mention that uh, we have. You probably saw this on Facebook, but congratulations to Courtney and Jackson. They're having their second one. Congratulations. So we have. Devin and Jenny, now Courtney and Jackson, so a second wave has taken up. So it's not too late for the rest of you to get in on this, all right? Uh, last year we had nine in ten months, and now we've got two coming up in December. So hey, here you go. You know who you are. Come on, get busy. And uh, so anyway, that's always exciting. It's a fun time. So uh, We have Pensacola Christian College going to be coming in uh, with a singing group on the 31st. That happens to be the day that the that the interns are here for their first time as well. So a lot of things happening that Wednesday. Having said that, on that Wednesday evening, there will be only combined groups. So we'll just all be in here for the Pensacola group. Uh, so teenagers and college students, you'll all be in here together. Awana, just everybody just coming in to just be a part of what's going on with that. And of course, then to meet our new interns officially. Uh, they should be here for the morning service as well, both those, the interns and the, uh, and the, the college group, or the uh, Pensacola group. And so what we are going to do, since the following week is, is our um, revival, we're going to move our meal to, since we're going to feed those people anyway, right? So the teenager, or the college, college group and the interns, we'll just move our meal to that uh, Wednesday. So those of you who come on Wednesday mornings, uh, we'll follow that with the meal, so looking forward to uh, that. And I know that the uh, pastors are, pastoral staff saying, no, pastor, don't do that. Anyway, it'll be great. We'll just have a good time. So We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I tell you, it's just exciting to be here and to be here at this church and watch what God's doing. And I remember, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or so, I asked us, I mean, I just stood right up here at this pulpit, it was at this pulpit, so it's been 15 or less years ago, and uh, I said, I want you to take a look around and notice how much blue hair we have. Remember me saying that? I know it's insulting, but, you know, I'm part of that group, so I can insult us, I don't care. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it's like, we need to ask God to, uh, to help us. And so since that time... We have watched as now we have a uh, college class and they're running, you know, 25-ish uh, college-age students and that's exciting as Pastor Brett's leading that on. Of course, the teenagers have just continued to explode and we run uh, usually sometimes in a place between 40 and 50 teenagers on Wednesday nights and that's exciting and a lot of good things happen there. We started up a young married Sunday school class and we've had upwards of 20 in there. And uh, it's just been exciting uh, to watch as God has just begun to, to do some of those very things. Uh, there's a statistic, and um, 
it's not a new statistic. It's been true for maybe the last uh, two generations, uh, but the statistic goes somewhat like this. Uh, upwards of about 70% of people, when they graduate from high school, graduate from church. 70%. That retention rate is difficult, and it's especially difficult. I'm just going to be honest. It's especially difficult when you've chosen, as our church has, to say, you know, we're not going to just try to attract them by ignoring principles in the, in the Word of God. We're not going to just, you know, we, we believe that the Word of God is its own attraction. It's quick and powerful, sharp, and two-edged sword, and it does what it's supposed to do. But it also requires of God's people to do something, right? So uh, if, if the idea is that we're not going to attract them by just putting on a show, then we must find, by the way, I... You think I'm making these kinds of things up. I'm not. Uh, the guy who works on our sound equipment, um, his church, put in a $50,000 laser light and fog machine system. And we're not going to, you know. I'm not against laser lights. I think they're cool. <laughs> you know? I'm not against fog machines. We actually own the fog machines, but they're not going to, like, built into the platform. But they just all of a sudden, you know, they're the kind you carry out there and put some stuff in them. They put out fog, and, you know, it's kind of cool. But... Uh, you still can't beat dry eyes for any of that kind of stuff. Does the best way, but the re- the reality is, you know, that's not what we're going to do. We're not we're not going to put on a show to get people to come to church. But it's been wonderful to watch God's word works. It just does. God's word works. So, but the challenge is that it doesn't. It's it's not a one time thing, right? It's not like okay, it worked. Now we can stop. It doesn't work this way. Uh, it's a constant challenge. How are we going to to raise up a generation uh, to to actually raise up, uh, reach below where you know us age wise, reach below and pull the next generation into what God is trying to accomplish? And uh, it doesn't happen by accident, folks. It just doesn't. Well, here we are in Second Timothy chapter three, and uh, we want to look at how we can how we can fight this battle. Uh, we'll. Um, Read verse 1 and pray, and then we'll jump into this. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Father, as we look at this passage, help us, Lord, to grow in your grace. Help us to see your heart and help us be willing to be used of you uh, to get on board and, and uh, see that, that uh, help. And, Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. I used the word help, which reminded me of a... Of a uh, Thing. I tell you, people do this to me all the time. Here, Pastor, announce this. And they, they hand it to me you know, in the middle of the special, the last special. By the time I get up here, it's gone. You know, I'm, I'm focused on this. But I'm supposed to make an announcement about the nursery. Uh, the nursery, not at this moment, but as a general statement, needs help. Can you tell why? I just told you we had nine babies born in ten months, and we've got two more on the way. And we, It's not like we didn't have any babies before that. Uh, so there are times that we've had 15, 17 in the nursery. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. So uh, we need help. So there's a couple ways, and I'm making a, I'm a unilateral thing. Miss Chrissy might just chop my head off for this, but I'm going to say it right here and now. Miss Chrissy, you can tell me if I'm, she's over there. I think she can tell me if I'm uh, out of whack here. But um, guys, you can help if, you, if you're married and you and your wife can work together. Meaning you're not going to fight, right? You're going to work together. <laughs> you and your wife can work together in that nursery. It's a great opportunity for you, you know, to step in there. And 
You know, so we'll have other people in. It's not like you're going to be by yourself, but you know, we'll, we can do that. That's one thing we can do to help. We were talking to my Sunday school class. My Sunday school class is going through the fruits, of, the gifts of the Spirit. I'm sorry, the gifts of the spiritual gifts, right? God gifts his children. And if you read in Ephesians chapter 4, the reason God gifts us is primarily for the growth of the church, right? Some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, that it may lead to a perfecting of the saints so that the church can be strengthened. And the reality is, I have heard people say, over the years, I would guess I may have heard this something similar to this statement 60, 70 times. You know what? They're their kids. Let them take care of them. Ouch. But let me tell you, our job, part of our role is to facilitate, to make it easy for people to use the gifts that God has given them for the benefit of the church. And if they're stuck in the nursery every week, that might be their gift. I don't know. You know, It's not mine. I can tell you that much. But, uh, but how, if, if we never give them the opportunity to take the gifts God has given them and put them to work for the body of Christ, what are we, how, are we, how are we facilitating that? So I'm just going to give you that out there. So just know, if everyone in here spent one service in the nursery, do you realize that you'd probably only have to do one service a year? A year? Think about that for a moment. It's like, can you give one service? And let me tell you, there's just something precious about being drooled on by a little baby. You know? If you don't believe me, hold my grandson. Um, you know, I'm just telling you, there's just something precious about it. So anyway, all right, we're back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, know this. Then in the last, uh, now listen, I don't know. You know, are we in the last days? What do you think? Now, the reality is the disciples, when they were writing this, thought they were in the last days. And they are, in that it's the last, dispen- last great dispensation, right, before the, the kingdom age. But, so in that aspect, the last 2,000 years have been the last days, seriously. But we all know that things have been building toward an event. And uh, we are definitely living in a time in which we are closer to the last days than we have ever been, and that's not intended to be a joke. I know that's kind of a silly statement because it's always going to be true no matter when somebody says that, right? But when you read the rest of this passage, you're going to say, well, absolutely, we're in the last days. And what I want us to do is to be aware as as we're considering how can we reach that lower generation and pull them up into the ministry of, of a church like Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, it starts with being aware. This, no. To know this also, that these are trying times, to be aware of what this generation is facing. So here we are in verse 2. It says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, being selfish and only thinking of themselves and thinking that nothing is more important than what I want and nothing is more important than what I get. You think that kind of describes where we are? The, the, the society that this generation is having to face? It goes on to say... Uh, Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. By the way, what is natural affection? Say it again. Love your neighbor? Your family. That's definitely natural affection, right? I mean, no one had to tell us, you know, you should love your brother, 
your sister, your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandpa. Grandpa, your grandpa, did I say? Grandpa, grandma. Nope. You should not have, nobody, nobody had to tell us. That's natural. I mean, you don't, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take the Spirit of God to come into your life for you to love mom. Right? You get to Mother's Day, everybody loves their mom. It's just where we are. That's natural. But we are facing a generation that is without natural affection. That these things don't come naturally to them. Or at least societally, it doesn't come naturally. I mean, who would have thought that we would face a time in which our Congress would argue that we should be allowed to kill babies a day before they're born from the womb? That's unnatural. By the way, that's unnatural in the animal kingdom, let alone with human beings. That's just unnatural. And yet, this is kind of where we are, to the tune of 50 million babies, 60 million, maybe even up to 70 now. It's huge. It's crazy where we are. This is, we need to know that what they're up against. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means unable to control themselves. Fierce, despisers of those that are, are they they're unable to control themselves? Think this through for a moment. Think of all of the, all of the crazy shootings that happen out there, where in the end result, somebody's saying, there's a, there's a mental breakdown and this person is unable to control it. And it's happening at exponential rates now. It's, it, I mean, comparatively, right? Compared to, to what it was 50 years ago, to what it was 100 years ago. It's exponential, and it's like, because this is where we are. Uh, despises of those that are good. Think, think about this. Politicians hate the church as a general statement. Because the church stands for what is good. And they, we're in a situation where it's like wrong to be on the, right, on the side of right. Uh, what is, what's that Old Testament passage where it says, you know, woe to them that call evil good. That's where we are. You know, and, and this is what our, our generation is facing. And we're, we're trying to convince them that they ought to, that, that they ought to join up in, in situations like ours. You know? Now, as little kids, they don't have any choice. Right? You're, you drag them to church and they sit there because you make them. But there's a point at which they're going to choose. And to the tune of 70% on average, when they graduate from high school, they're graduating from church. So that literally, we now are in a post-Christian society. You know, we used to have a Christian society in America, meaning that the church had, you know, had a major impact on every aspect of society. That the gospel was having a major impact on every aspect of society. You don't have to go back that long ago. You, know, you go back to where you or your parents, at least, uh, were kids. That being said, we're now in a post-Christian society. That's not true. Because there are two, three generations that have graduated from church and have raised their kids outside of the influence of the church. And all of a sudden, we're in a post-Christian society. I'm just... I'm, this, you know, we can bemoan all of that. I'm just saying we need to understand... That that's where, where this generation is coming from, and if we're going to reach them and, and bring them into, if we're going to take all these young people that God has brought our way and help them step from you know, their high school and college age into a setting like ours 
where we're going to serve the Lord with our lives, we're going to have to recognize the things that they're dealing with. Traitors, verse 4. Heady, which means they, they just they fall headlong. They, they just run like a bull in a china shop. They just go toward whatever, and they're not really... That's what that means to be heady. They're rash, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. From this sort are they which creep into houses and lead silly women laden with sins, led away uh, with diverse lusts, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. If that doesn't, that one phrase, if that doesn't represent where we are today, we're smarter than we've ever been. We've been places we've never been. By the way, I read an interesting statistic. I don't know if I shared this with you or not. I think it was my Bible class. But you, of all the, all the things that we've been able to do scientifically, we have only been able to explore about 4% of the ocean. Isn't that amazing? We can, we can send a, a vehicle to Mars, but we can't figure out how to get to the depths of the ocean uh, in a way to explore it. It's been a challenge for science. I just thought that was an interesting thing. I had nothing to do with this. just there. Because we're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So we need to understand this, right? That this is where they're coming from. And with all of this comes a great temptation. A temptation that is greater than it was for you and I when we were graduating from high school. Uh, we, meaning those of you who are 50 and, and older, uh, I am older than 50. I know it shocks you, but I am. I am older than 60. That probably floors you. I am. I'm not older than 70, teenagers. I'm not there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, have you ever looked at somebody and you think, are they still living? <laughs> they were my teacher in first grade. You know, what you didn't realize is they were 23 as your teacher in first grade. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. But anyway, uh, you get the idea. So, um, but there's a great, with that comes a great temptation. Take a look at verses 8 and 9. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these, referring back to these, this generation that's being raised in this society, also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, rejecting, concerning the faith. That's the great temptation. The temptation to be in being raised in a society like this is to think, who needs God? It's to become hardened toward the things of God. The great temptation is that there becomes, there becomes a, a hardness that it's just mom and dad, it's old fogies, it's just Pastor John, it's just grandma and grandpa, and we're way beyond that. Don't they realize that we have cell phones now? that can tell us more than the Bible's ever been able to teach us. Now, that's not the truth, but that's their truth, if they're not careful. It's a great, it's a great temptation of this world. When you're being raised in a society that, that has rejected God as a general statement, then it's very easy to go with the flow. And that's what God's saying here. So look, in verse 8, says, this is what we've got to be careful with. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, theirs also, as theirs also was. The, the, the danger is that if they follow up that way, they, they follow the way of Janice and Jambres. They, they follow the folly, and it is a folly. It fails, and it fails 100% of the time. Every single time, God wins. What's that song that the choir sang about? Um... No one ever 
can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. I'm messing it up, but that was that. Choir thing that he rolled back is like, nothing's going to, God wins every time. God is right. And that's the challenge when you've been raised in a society that does not accept that truth. It is so easy to just go with the flow. And especially when 30% or less of your, of your counterparts who, like you, were raised in church, are walking away from it and saying, we don't need God, we don't need the church, we don't need to follow after mom and dad's old ways. And it's so easy just to follow after that. But I want to tell you, there's a great God here who's going to show us what the answer is. He does not give us this bad news and slap us upside the head and say, okay, good luck. No, he's going to show us what the answer is. Take a look, if you would, please, at verse 10. He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all, uh, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now here's what here's what it's going to take. If we're going to reach down and pull the next generation into what God is doing in our lives, and even beyond, we're going to be like the guy in, in the Book of Psalms who takes the arrows, and our children become arrows, and they go much further than we could have ever gone. If we're going to do that successfully, we must develop a life of transparency. The Apostle Paul says, you know, I've, I've not tried to hide anything from you. You know what I've been doing, what I've been enduring, what life has been like for me. You know the battles I've fought. You know that the things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. You know that I've had to go through some persecutions and trials. You know it's not been easy. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not hiding anything. I'm going to be transparent. I, I don't know about the rest of you because I, I, I'm on the older end of this age group here. And so... Uh, you know, my parents, I was raised in that era when things were kept from children, primarily. And you didn't know what was going on. So I'm, I'm not making this up, you know. So when, I, when I'm 12, 13, and my mom leaves my dad to marry my dad's brother, you know when I found out? The day I came home, my mom wasn't there. I can remember. I specifically remember I was in sixth grade. I remember being on the bus. I'm talking to a kid named Daryl. I, you know, my my teacher was Mrs. Hildebrand. I mean, I remember this specifically. I, I did not know the Lord yet. And this kid, his parents were getting a divorce. And my mom and dad had been married for 25 years. And I'm bragging to him. My mom and dad are never going to be divorced. They've already been married 25 years. That's never going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm literally having, I can remember that conversation. Little did I know, within just a few short months, I'd come home, where's mom? And that would happen. Folks, if those days cannot be us. Do you understand? If our kids are going to learn something from us about what the faith does to make a difference, we've got to be willing to be transparent in our approach to them. To let them see what's going on, the good and the bad. We've got to be willing. Like the Apostle Paul said, you know. This you know about. You know what manner of man. Remember the Apostle Paul in another place says, you know what manner of men we were among you. I mean, we're not trying to hide anything. We're human beings fighting a battle just like you. 
But what, ha- you know, what we did in America, especially within our Christianity, is we put this, this up here. Like this is where everybody was living. And, and we never let them see any of the flaws. And then when they were all of a sudden faced with the flaws, it came across as a failure of God. A failure of the gospel. The gospel had failed. Because all we had ever done is, is show, you know, we would, never, we would hide our, our flaws. I mean, we, we lived through a time in the church when if something happened to the church, it was buried. No one ever find out about it. We didn't want anybody to know. And, and so there's this concept that the church is like perfect, and then all of a sudden when they're faced with a church that isn't perfect, they, they, everything's gone, right? If I can't trust what I've been taught for 20 years, why should I trust any of the rest of it? And it starts going up. The Apostle Paul's like, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going, to, I'm going to approach life from a transparent perspective. You know what manner of man we've been. You know what we've been through. You know the battles we've fought. You see the scars. This is what it is to be a Christian. It's not easy. It's not. It, you know, if, if you follow after Jesus, men will hate you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. That's a reality. And beyond that, some of it's not falsely because we've earned it. Because the things I know I should do, I don't. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And it's this constant battle. The reality is, this God we serve is greater than the, the society that we're living in. But, if we're going to present a plastic version of our Christianity, we should not be surprised when our kids treat it as disposable. Because plastic is disposable. At least to most of us, right? I still fight with some of you ladies who want to wash plastic wear and keep it for the next time around. I'm of the opinion that we use plastic for a reason. You know, it's called disposable. I don't want to wash those things. So take them home and wash them. I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, that's beside the point. You get, you get sidetracked. But you know, we, we can't present a plastic Christianity and then expect the, the next generation to embrace it as if it's real and genuine. So the Apostle Paul started to say, you know, that's fully known. My doctrine, manner of life. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, patience, charity, uh, persecutions, afflictions. I'm going to be transparent. Verse 12. He says, you know what? We also need to be honest. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall live happily ever after. (laughs) Is that what it says? No. the, The concept of presenting God's truth in an honest fashion. Here's what it means. If you choose to live for Christ. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's an okay message. It is. Oh, I don't want to tell my kids that. They'll never want to come to church. No, they'll quit coming to church if you don't tell them. Do you understand? They'll graduate from church one day because we presented a plastic, phony Christianity that doesn't mean anything when they become old enough to embrace it on their own. The reality is, it's not easy to live for Jesus in this world. It's not. It's worth it. It is worth it. But it's not easy to live for Jesus in this world. It's a challenge. I'm telling you, we, we need to present it honestly. It, it, it always cracks me up. When we're talking about college, we don't say, Son, take the easy route. I know you could become a doctor, but why would you want to become a doctor? Get, get your, uh, you know, just go for a year and go find a job someplace. We don't do that. We're like... 
Come on, step up the challenge. You know, we, we want them to, we, we push them on the things that aren't spiritual things, and yet we want to present spiritual things as if it's way up here in this high and mighty that doesn't actually meet where we live. But the reality is they're going to get up and they're going to face temptation and trial and they're going to have difficulties. And some people won't like us because we're following Jesus. That's a reality. Let's be honest. Let's present God's truth as it is. This is the answer. God says, listen, this is what it's like to live in the last days. But if we'll be transparent and let's just be honest and tell the truth as it, as it comes forth. Look at verse 13. But evil men... And seducers shall wax worse and worse. In other words, it's going to get harder and harder, deceiving and being deceived. It's not going to get any easier. And it's not going to get any easier when you graduate from high school, seniors. Some seniors, I'm sorry, it's not. It's going to be a challenge. It's a challenge to live for God. It's worth it. But it's a challenge to live for God. You see, what's on the line is this. Well, you know, I don't want, to, I don't want that kind of a challenge. Okay, here's what's on the line. The souls of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. That's what's on the line. You can walk away from the church, but the only, the absolute only eternal answer available to mankind is Jesus Christ. Period. So you can raise your kids to be nice and friendly and take care of other things and uh, other people and and to only use green energy. and you raise, which I'm not against green energy. Right? You can raise your kids to do all this kind of stuff. But no man cometh unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. So what is it worth if we should gain the whole world and lose our own soul? Or if we should gain the whole world, mom and dad, and lose the souls of our children? The idea of reaching this generation is to recognize what they're dealing with and then to see what the answer is. The answer is transparency. The answer is honesty. Let's just give them the honest truth. And then there's another part of this answer, and we end with it. And I love how this is. Verse 14. Be encouraging. He says in verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I'll never forget. And if you've ever had this experience as an adult, I'm sorry to have to rob you of this little bitty thing. But those of you who have gone with us to camp at the wilds, I'm not kidding you. The wilds is like, it's just one of those unique places. We take our kids there for a reason. It's an 11-hour bus ride. It's expensive. It's hot. It's all those things. But, wow, once you're there, God's doing stuff. And it's like, it's just a powerful place. God's working there. But on the way out, the first year, you only get one shot of this one, right? So first year on the way out, on the back of the sign, you saw the front of the sign come in, welcome to the wilds. On the back of the sign is this verse. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Wow. And it just, I mean, as a pastor, I start crying. It's just, that's what you want. If we could just take this home with us. And continue in that. It'll change America, right? It just will. It'll change our church. It'll change our homes. Just to take what we've gotten in this one week and continue now. So, moms, dads, after we've been this transparent example, 
never been honest. We've got to step up the plate and be encouraging, right? And not, that means we quit taking the Word of God and beating our kids up with it. That's going to really encourage them a lot. Live for God, you rotten thing! You know, like, you, know what, what, you know why they graduate from high school and church simultaneously? Because they're tired of coming to church and being beaten over the head when they've been fighting a battle all week and they're coming in saying, please, feed my soul. It needs it. And we've got to be that encouragement to them. But continue down the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Uh, you know, we've, we've got to be willing to be an encouragement. It goes on verse 15, it says, And that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Do we believe this about the Word of God, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas? Do we believe this? Do we believe that the Word of God is the ultimate answer? And that if we present the Word of God in transparent, honest, loving, encouraging truth, that the Word of God works. Do we believe that? Because that's the message of this. Yes, it's rough in the end days. But Jesus is still the answer. Do we believe it? So let's present God's truth. And it goes on verse 15. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction of righteousness, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, completely, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We want, to, we want to give our kids what they need to take that next step into service for the Lord unto all good works. And the, the foundation of it all is not grandma. It's not. It's the Word of God. Because all Scripture... And so Jim Bird did this for us really well, and I'll give this to you and be done. He broke this down really well. All Scripture is given to us by inspiration of God and is profitable for it. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. See, the doctrine is how to figure out what is right. What is right? You, know what? you want to know what the right thing is to do? Go to the book. Read the Scripture, because that's what it's good for. For reproof, figuring out what is not right. We're going to use the word right again and again. I know you can say wrong, but we're going to keep using the word right. What is right? Figure out what is not right. You want to find out what is not right? Go to the book. The book tells you. For correction, figuring out how to make that which is not right, right. See how this works? You, want to know how, you, know what, you know how to make something that's not right, right? Go to the book. Because the, that's what all scripture. And then instruction righteous. You know what? You know, once you've corrected... You've gotten that which is not right, right. How do you keep that which is right, right? You know, what, you know what the answer is? Go to the book. Moms and dads, until we believe that the Word of God is the answer to this problem, until we quit presenting a classic, phony Christianity, until we have enough faith in the Word of God to present God's truth in a transparent, encouraging, loving way, we're going to keep graduating generations outside of the church. But if we want to graduate them into God's world and God's work, we need to be transparent. We need to be encouraging. We need to be honest. And we need to trust God. Heads about eyes closed, please. Oh, teenagers, college kids, I love you. Like you don't know, I love you. 
There's a reason why our church invests thousands upon thousands of dollars in you. And that reason is because this pastor has been pounding on his pulpit for 30 years saying we need to love him and we need to love him. And the church has said, okay, we're going to. And we literally invest thousands of dollars into your life from the time that you're, well, from the time you're in first, you know, three years old into our first uh, Awana program to the time you graduate from high school. I can honestly say there's probably going to be about $10,000 into each individual kid that goes through that whole program because this church loves you. They love you. What we don't want is to lose you. We want you to stay. We want you to know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to serve God. But you're never going to regret it. There's an old song called By and By when I look in his face. Beautiful face. Thorn shadowed face. By and by when I look in his face. It does not say this. I wish I had given him less. It does not say that. 100% of the time. I wish. I had given him more. You're not going to be disappointed in following God. We want you to do so. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, are we ready to put away our plastic, pretend Christianity, and in transparent, loving truth, present God's truth and trust God's word to do what it can do? Father, help us to love the generations beneath us in greater fashion. God, may this church not follow the norm of 70% graduating out. But God, may we continue to see uh, those age groups just blossoming and blooming throughout the church. Thank you for you know, the teenagers and the college students and the young married that we've got and the way that you've just been so faithful to bless. And Lord, help us just to to spend our time living out transparent, honest, open Christianity and trusting your word to do an impact that we could never. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. The altar is open to you. Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, if you need to come before the Lord, the altar is open to you. Teenagers, college students, if you need to kind of recommit yourself to the concept, the altar is open. Let's not let the devil win this battle. It's a rough life. It's a rough time that we're in. But God is still the answer. As we sing together, you step out of the Lord have his way. It may not be on the mountain high or over the stormy sea. It may not be in the Thank you for being the answer and 
help us to learn to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so there's a meeting with, uh, let's see, over here, meeting with uh, Miss Carol for the revival thing, meeting in the choir room with JD for BBS uh, teachers, meeting tonight uh, for BBS at 5 o'clock, and tonight after the service for the Utah missions trip. Whew! I'm glad. You know what I'm really glad of? That you can't blame me for any one of those meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not me with any of this, but because I hate meetings, you know, <laughs> but they have to happen. I know how it is. Anything else we're supposed to announce? Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, teenagers, college students, and give you peace. You are dismissed. Love you all. God bless. <laughs>